I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, how are you doing today? Good gracious, it's already October. Can you believe it? I mean, you know, the the candy, the Halloween candy's been out for a while. So in some senses, it makes sense. But my goodness, this year has just flown by. Uh, this time last year, I was just getting back from a trip to Philadelphia where I saw uh, with with several other pilgrims from the Diocese of Tulsa, saw Pope Francis uh, there in Philadelphia. That was an amazing event. Uh, just last month, we talked with um, talked with Joe Heschmeyer about his similar experience at World Youth Day. Of course, you can catch that over in our archives over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Uh, but no, I, I, I'm just sitting here reflecting back on the year and how quickly it's gone. Uh, that, that trip to uh, Philadelphia was really the last thing that I did for the Diocese of Tulsa before we moved on our merry way, picked up my family, and moved to Texas for what we thought was going to be a very long and fruitful stay with family, uh, back to my the land of my raising. And uh, it, didn't, it didn't end up that way. We were there for a very brief period of time. And uh, basically, I think God wanted to say to me, you remember all those times that I, I taught you lessons about trusting me and, um, and how you can do without as much things as you think you need and uh, how really you just need to, to trust in me for your provision at every moment? And I said, yeah, I remember that. He's like, guess what? I want you to do it again. <laughs> Thanks. You know, you, you get these lessons and they they're, they keep coming back around and you're like, didn't, God, didn't we do this already? Have, haven't we covered this lesson? Didn't I pass that test? Uh, didn't I get a good grade? Why, why are we back here again? And uh, that, that has been been what this year is kind of about. So I'm really looking forward to uh, to Advent. I'm looking forward to Advent for a couple of reasons. One, I'm looking forward to Advent because that's going to represent for us here on Outside the Walls two glorious years of coming to you week after week after week uh, and talking about things that are exciting, right? Talking about faith and how that applies to our daily lives. And, you know, the show has really... Uh, morphed and developed a little bit from what we did in our early days. And uh, I like to think I'm, I'm a little bit more uh, polished at this than when we, when we first started. Uh, but if you really want to, if you want to have some fun, you go over, yeah, I mentioned just now the archives, you go over to the archives. Now the archives I've got up online, uh, they only go back through when I came on with Breadbox Media. So they go back through March. You don't get all the way back to November. I'm contemplating, considering, thinking, parsing out the possibility of putting up some of those really, really early archives. Uh, that may be something I do for the friends of the show. In fact, it is. Uh, if you become a friend of the show, you'll get the archives all the way back to the beginning in our super secret place on OutsideTheWalls.com where you can get uh, all the fun content for becoming a friend of the show. But that's not where I'm going yet. We'll talk about that and how to do it later. Uh, we're talking about how, uh, how I'm looking forward to Advent. And here we are towards the end of Ordinary Time. And Advent is coming, right? Advent is uh, next month. Good gracious, November is next month. 
Uh, so a couple of things happen at Advent. One, it's going to mark a year uh, since since I, I moved away. Well, I guess we're already a year since I moved away from Oklahoma. Uh, but it's the beginning. The Advent is the beginning of the liturgical calendar. It's the beginning of the new year. And so there's a sense that I can then put this year to bed and say, okay, we've done that. We're finished. Uh, and now let's, let's look at things afresh uh, as we await the, uh, the coming of Christ in the incarnation and also the coming of Christ to redeem us from everything that's going on right now. Do you ever feel that way? I feel that way. Uh, so that's, that's thing number one is it's going to be kind of a, hopefully a reboot for me on this year. Uh, I'm still going to be here with you every week. Uh, th- that's the second part of it. That's going to mark two years of being here, talking to you. And uh, I'm, I'm planning something special. I don't, I don't know exactly if I'm going to be able to pull it off the way that I want to, but I'm planning on seeing about the possibility, maybe, potentially, of, uh, of doing a, a, a show where I accept your phone calls. Well, how does that make you feel? Why don't you tell me on social media? Would you, would you call in on a call-in show with me? Uh, I don't know what we'd talk about. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. I mean, it's going to be Advent, right? So <laughs> what's not to talk about? It's the most glorious time of the year. Uh, or I guess I guess it's the most joyful time of the year because the, <laughs> the joyful mysteries are surrounding, uh, surrounding Christmas. So uh, glorious would be Easter. Um, that's, that's, ner- that's, has, that's nerd humor right there. That's liturgical nerd humor right there. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it. And it would take some extra effort, specifically for those of you who listen on uh, on Oklahoma, uh, the Oklahoma Catholic Broadcasting Network and St. Michael Catholic Radio, where I got my start out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, and, of course, broadcast across the state. It would take a little bit of extra logistical work to do it there uh, because it airs at a different time in Oklahoma than it airs uh, on the Breadbox Media Network. Uh, but I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about doing uh, a, a call-in show, and we'd figure something out. Uh, so what I need to know, and I really do, I need to know this beforehand because I don't like surprises. Uh, I want to know if you would call in and have conversations with me uh, about Advent, about uh, how you experience the season, how you experience your faith at that time of year, I need to know if you would call in on a call-in show. Because if not, I'll just get a guest. Uh, but but I don't want to be sitting there and doing a whole show by myself without without an invigorating guest because you would get bored, and I don't want that. So uh, if you would if if you're interested, if that's like hey, I would I would do something like that. Then uh, then why don't you go over to social media? Facebook.com/slash Step Outside the Walls on Twitter. The handle is at Outside the Walls, and on Instagram we are also step outside the walls. I should probably reverse those around so that they're not all mixed up. Uh, so let me know. Yes, I would, I would call in and I would talk to you. Uh, and, um, then we'll, we'll move forward maybe with that planning, see what is possible, uh, with our technology the way that it is. Now I got a great little idea, uh, of something fun to do for my friends of the show. I think I'm going to do this. Uh, I, I didn't give away a book, uh, yesterday cause I didn't get two more friends of the show and I, I need to get two more friends of the show before I give out my next, uh, friends of the show gift, the I burned for your piece, 
Augustine's Confessions Unpacked, written by Peter Kreeft on Ignatius Press. That's my next giveaway. And uh, all I need is a couple of friends of the show, and we can make that happen. But I'm going to give you a little bit of extra incentive as well. We talked about that call-in show, and I don't do that very often. That's not my format. But uh, I think I'm going to start doing a monthly uh, video conference with all my friends of the show. Anybody who's in my, anybody who's invested in the show, who loves the show, who downloads it every week, and we're like, hey, I'll invest the cost of a couple of cups of coffee, right? I'll do that every month. Then I'm going to give you a specialized link, and that link will take you to a video conference once a month with me, and we can talk about whatever we want. We'll get a have a, a big old party. You can bring your own uh, chips and dip, and uh, we'll uh, enjoy the time together, right? So you're like, hey. That sold me. I, I wasn't going to do it. But now that you mentioned chips and dip, which, by the way, you have to provide. Uh, now that you mentioned chips and dip, I'm all in. Well, this is how you do it. You, <laughs> you go over to uh, OutsideTheWalls.com, right? OutsideTheWalls.com. It's just the name of this show with a .com at the end. And uh, and you click on that thing. This has become a friend of the show. Uh, I'm going to make sure it actually says that. Here, hold, hold on. Hold on just a minute. I'm going to type in OutsideTheWalls.com. And it, and it actually, it says, I'm waiting. My internet's real slow here. Here we go. Uh, it, it doesn't say become. It just says friend of the show. And even though you're not yet, you're, you're on your way to becoming one. So you click that. You click that friend of the show, and it's going to pop up a little blog, and it tells you why you should do this. It tells you why you should do this, and it gives you a picture of my all of my beautiful children who will benefit from you becoming a friend of the show and uh, and paying for some of the food that gets put before them. Uh, as little as $10 a month, that's a good cup, of, a good, good uh, bag of, of coffee beans or a couple of Starbucks. Uh, you can give as much as you want, but at least $10 a month, and you are eligible for all the videos, all the extra content, all the giveaways, et cetera, and so forth. And uh, you just go there and you type it in. And once we receive it, once we receive that, that notification that you have, in fact, become a friend of the show and contributed, I will send you an extra special email with an extra special uh, link and username and password. And then you go to that same place on the website, outsidethewalls.com, friend of the show, and you type in your username and password that you have just now received from me. And all of a sudden, that same place is transformed into a beautiful garden of delights. A garden of delights featuring some of the readings that we do here uh, in our fourth segment every week. Uh, some videos of fun content. In fact, I took a video when I went to the uh, the monastery uh, last week, and I'm, I put that up there. That's there for you. Uh, and then uh, links to these monthly chats that we're going to have. So I encourage you, go on over uh, and do it. Do it soon so that I can give away this brand new book by uh, by Peter Kreeft. I burn for your peace, Augustine's Confessions Unpacked. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking with Tom Hoops about his new book that we're going to give away today, regardless of who becomes a friend of the show. That book is called uh, What Pope Francis Really Said, Words of Comfort and Challenge. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. (music) 
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. Oh, we got a fun show today. I was reading along on Facebook, which is how my week normally starts and how I get myself into trouble. Uh, and I came across this, this fabulous article on the Alatia Network from Tom Hoops. Uh, he's a writer in residence and vice president of college uh, relations at Benedictine College up in Atchison, Kansas. Uh, where he teaches journalism and mass communications. And he's the author of a brand new book, What Pope Francis Really Said, Words of Comfort and Challenge. And he wrote a, a, just a really brief uh, article on it. We'll post that on social media. Uh, talking about the book and, and giving just a real short synopsis of, of why it's important uh, to, to support Pope Francis right now, to rally around Pope Francis. So, Tom, thank you so much for being on the show today. Great. It's great to be here. So let's let's talk first about uh, there has been, and maybe as part of our, our 24-hour news cycle, but there has been a, uh, a much more vocal uh, concern um, between, uh, uh, between the media, uh, between Catholics who generally have been considered very conservative and very faithful to the magisterium, uh, who seem a little bit agitated, maybe a little bit nervous about what they hear Pope Francis saying. So let's talk about uh, what what drove you to write this book, uh, and and do you see the, anything different about our culture now with Pope Francis that would require this, whereas uh, we didn't see it with with previous uh, popes? Sure. Yeah. No, it's been kind of a, a very concerning papacy so far for many people. And I think that that was inevitable in one respect. And let me explain why. So we had two popes. We had uh, Pope John Paul II. We had uh, Pope Benedict XVI, who were world-class intellects as well as uh, popes. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you have these, one was a philosophy professor, one was a theology professor, who were known as professors before they were known as priests and bishops, and then before, certainly before they became pope. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I happen to be working here at Benedictine College, so I see what it's like to be a college professor. College professors have to train themselves to only say true things. You, know, you have to think in the right words, you speak in the right words, because you're talking to people who are going to write down what you say and take that to be the one and only way to say what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's a kind of a discipline where people, you train yourself to say the right things. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, uh, this created a certain expectation among us. It seemed to be true that anything that Pope John Paul II or Pope Benedict said was absolutely rock solid Catholic truth. It's exactly said as it should be said. You can take it to the bank. Well, that happens to be true of these two great intellects, but it's not true of popes in general. Papal infallibility has been taught since the first Vatican Council at the turn of the 18th uh, and the 19th and 20th century. Uh, and papal infallibility only applies to popes when they do a certain rare thing, which is teach from the chair of Peter ex cathedra. Uh, so papal infallibility means it applies to a few acts in church history. Right. Uh, popes are, in, are not infallible when they're just speaking off the cuff. Uh, quite the contrary. They can get in a lot of trouble as we've discovered <laughs> when they're speaking off the cuff. So I think that 
we were kind of spoiled in a way by Pope uh, John Paul II and Pope Benedict, and we started to think, wow, anything a pope says is true, but that's not the case. So Pope Francis comes along, and I think he's a very good man, and I think he's a son of the church, as he calls himself. I think he's definitely an Orthodox Catholic. I mean, the pope is Catholic and answers the the age-old question, is the pope Catholic? Mm-hmm. Um but he is not as accurate in his pronouncements and off-the-cuff remarks as Pope Benedict and Pope John Paul II were. So he tends to say things which are uh, kind of hyperbolic and sometimes ambiguous. Now, this is something I noticed early on. I remember when his first uh, public homily, in his first public homily as Pope, he said, uh, and he, first he quoted the French writer Léon Blois, that says, he does not pray to God, prays to the devil, I'm paraphrasing here. Mm-hmm. Then he says, um, if you are not praying to Jesus, you are praying You are praying to the devil. Some, he, he said words to that effect. Yeah. So I immediately went over to the theology floor here at Benedictine College, <laughs> and I said, did the vicar of Christ just say that non-Christians are all devil worshipers? Because <laughs> the clear meaning of the words that he spoke was that, but of course, Pope Francis doesn't believe that all non-Christians are devil worshipers. So right. then I heard the immortal words of some of my colleagues here at Bennington College. Uh, they said, well, you have to look at what he said in context and then figure out what he really means. Right. Okay, so this is a new thing for us, for the Pope, to have to look at his words in context and figure out what he really means. So as Pope Francis has said more and more troubling things, uh, like you know, along the lines of you know non Christians or devil worshippers, <laughs> there needed to be an effort to look at what he really means. Mm-hmm. So at the you know the, the servant books reached out to me and they wanted to have somebody look at kind of where Pope Francis stood on a number of hot button issues. That's how we first conceived the book. We were going to look at what does he say about marriage? What does he say about homosexuality? What does he say about abortion? Mm-hmm. What does he say about environmentalism? And all down the list. But then as the year progressed, this was last year, um, it became increasingly clear that people have fundamental doubts or serious doubts at any rate about uh, the soundness of what Pope Francis is really saying. So that's what the book became about. And so I spent a year pouring through what he was really saying to try to get to the bottom of some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Tom Hoops, author of the new book from Servant Books, What Pope Francis Really Said, Words of Comfort and Challenge. You know, I, I look at this, uh, and you brought up the academic side of it. Um, both Pope Benedict and Pope John Paul II were very academic, but they were also uh, European, right? They were both uh, very much schooled in Western thought, and there's, I think, uh, a certain aspect and a certain portion of Pope Francis' communication style that comes from the fact that he is not a European. He's, uh, he's from South America. And do you see any part yeah. of that? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a huge factor in trying to understand where Pope Francis is coming from. Uh, it's something that I uh, recognized early on when people were jumping all over him for saying things about economics which I think Rush Limbaugh took the airwaves and called him a Marxist. Um, well, basically, he was saying things that Pope Benedict and Pope John Paul II said all the right. time. He was just saying them more emphatically and sort of more memorably. Uh, but he also has a very harsh critique 
of capitalism, mm -hmm. which makes us in America think, oh, my gosh, what is this guy trying to say? I mean, capitalism has brought, you know, better life to so many people around the globe. Well, if you go to Argent, if you live in Argentina, right. in particular, if you lived in Argentina in the past several decades, you saw a form of crony capitalism that is extremely uh, harmful to the poor, that was all about enriching certain people who were friends with each other uh, in the kind of the oligarchy. Uh, and you have a totally different understanding of what capitalism does than if you live in a place like, say, America. So the, the Latin America uh, aspect or uh, you know question of the papacy is, is, is huge. There was an article I... I think Father Schneider wrote it. Father Matthew Schneider, is that his name? Mm -hmm. He said, um, when the Pope goes off the cuff, think Latin America. Right. And if you look at a lot of the things that have gotten him into trouble, and you look at them from a Latin American context, the, the, the whole picture starts to shift a little bit. Well, I think we, we get so um, close nearsighted in our perspective of the world. Uh, we know that we're in a, a universal faith. We, we are in the Catholic Church, but sometimes I think we forget that we are in a global faith, right? We're, we're in a faith that touches all these different cultures, all these different perspectives. Uh, well, and, and... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, and it even goes further than that. If you look at the total big picture of the West versus the south of the border parts of the church. So uh, India isn't south of the, I mean, south of the equator is what I was trying to say. Mm -hmm. India isn't south of the equator, but there are five times more Catholics in India than there are in Ireland. Mm -hmm. Okay. So even India, which is not a very Catholic place, Africa has an explosion of Christianity in general, but Catholicism in particular, uh, South America explosion in Catholicism. By 2050, there will be more church-going uh, Christians in China than in the United States. Uh, I think the, the the number of people in Nigeria, I forget that yeah. statistic. But th anyway, there's all these statistics showing that not only is do are we mistaken in thinking that the church is mainly about Europe and the United States, uh, but in fact, the church is mainly concerned in the huge numbers of its population, which exist south of the border and in these other places. So when the Pope is saying things that don't make sense to us in America, we have to remember we're in a small corner of the church nowadays right. uh, compared to what's happening in the rest of the world. And, and he's probably talking to somebody else. Well, and, you know, he's looking at problems, and he may be talking about marriage, and you're thinking, well, our annulment system is fine here. Why is he even bringing this up? Well, we are part of a global church, and not every part of the globe has the same structures and, and uh, programs that we have in the United States. He very likely is answering a question and a problem that exists in another place. Exactly. Well, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back after this break, continuing our conversation with Tom Hoops, author of the brand new book, What Pope Francis Really Said, Words of Comfort and Challenge, available on Servant Books. Not only there, available in our fourth segment today, simply by answering a question on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. We're talking today about Pope Francis, about our 24-hour news cycle that publishes and broadcasts every single thing he says. Uh, we're talking about the, the ways in which the, uh, the global audience can many times misunderstand uh, what the Pope says and, and often uh, purposefully twist what the Pope says in order to bring about a social agenda. So we're talking today with Tom Hoops. He's the author of What Pope Francis Really Said, Words of Comfort and Challenge. He's a writer in residence and vice president of college relations at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Uh, if you've never heard of that place, you ought to look him up. Uh, great school. And uh, so we're talking about, uh, Tom, we're talking about Pope Francis. And uh, I'm a convert. I came into the faith in 2011. And one of the things that that really drew me into the faith was the fact that I could trust uh, the church, that, that there was a there was a, a backing that I had that wasn't based on, oh, well, that's your interpretation, that's your hermeneutic, and this is mine, but that there was a, an actual magisterial foundation uh, that I could depend on. And so for me, as I look at uh, coming into docility with the Pope, it's a matter of not so much trusting every single word that comes out of a pope's mouth, but it's a, a matter of trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to preserve his church, and he's going to do it in, uh, in union with, in community with, and through the, the, the vessel of the Vicar of Christ. Uh, so talk to me. You wrote this article on the Aletia Network. Uh, talk to me about why it's so important, even if maybe you're freaked out by some of the things the pope is saying. Why is it important to support the pope? Well, yeah, as you say, the Pope is kind of a significant, a key part of the Catholic religion. Now, this is always, this is something very easy to get wrong, okay? So we are not a group of Pope followers. We are a group of Christ followers. The reason we follow the Pope is because Jesus Christ said that, you know, I rename you Simon Peter Rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we, re we believe in the Pope. Uh, we follow the Pope because of what Jesus Christ said. Uh, so that being said, the Pope is significant to our religion, to our faith, because he is the uh, the, the person who uh, the the visible sign of the unity of the church. Mm -hmm. He's the boss in no uncertain terms. <laughs> He's the one who's leading us to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so we need to be. We need to listen to what he says. We need to be careful about how we publicly attack him. There's a quote in that article from the Catechism where I talk about how the church, uh, I quote the Catechism saying that the laity is in the front lines of sort of the battle that the church is undergoing in the world. Uh, the, we're the front lines under the Pope, okay? So he's like our commander-in-chief. And you'll see people uh, who are soldiers. Sometimes they don't particularly like the commander-in-chief. Maybe they're a Democrat and it's a Republican, or maybe they're a Republican and it's a Democrat. But they have made a commitment to the military, and they are going to back their commander-in-chief. They're not going to publicly denounce him uh, and his military decisions. It's just not done. I'm sure it happens, but <laughs> it's not the right way to, to conduct yourself. Right. Well, it's the same uh, in our battle with what's going on in the world. The Pope, I can assure you, after spending a very troubling year 
reading through what he said, because I had my doubts as I was approaching all of this subject matter. But I now come to be convinced that the man is very much a follower of Christ. He very much has a plan. And what we need to do as Catholics is get behind our commander in chief. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to sort of uh, turn your brain off and become a robot who's programmed by the Pope. Quite the contrary. You should ask tough questions and you should try to understand what he's saying and how he's saying it. That's the, that's the book. Uh, but it does also mean that there's a certain amount of deference that you need to show. So I, what I always tell people is, you know, you can uh, doubt the Pope all you want, look into it deeply, but don't publicly tell people or lead people away from the Pope. That used to be hard to do. It used to just have to be a journalist to publicly lead people away from the Pope. Right. Now all you need to do is put a Facebook post that goes slightly viral, <laughs> and you now have a national slash international platform yeah. in which you can denounce the Holy Father. I would recommend people for the good of their souls and the good of the church to not do that. Wait it out, listen, see where the Pope really stands, see, hear what he really says, uh, and, and, and struggle with it inside your, 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 you know, on your own if you have to struggle with it. You know, the, another thing that I, I look at is here the Pope says something that I, I completely don't understand. And so I'm the kind of guy that the first two places I'm going to go, I'm going to go look at the Code of Canon Law, and I'm going to go look at the Catechism, because that's the kind of nerd I am. Uh, and, and I may come away from that and still not understand it. And then, you know, my everybody's got their favorite Bible verse or their favorite paragraph in the Catechism. My favorite paragraph in the Catechism as a convert is paragraph 87 that says, Hearing the words of Christ, he who hears you hears me, the faithful receive with docility the things that their pastors teach them in various forms. And so what that says is not that I have to uh, acquiesce or assent to every single thing that comes out of their mouths, but I approach it with a sense of humility understanding that they may be say, saying something that I need to hear. Maybe they're uh, emphasizing a different side or a different aspect where I have a weakness or, or a, a prejudice against uh, that I need to listen with different ears rather than just approaching it in my own understanding to take that to prayer, to take that to study, and to look at is there a different culture? Is there a different understanding? Is there something that I'm missing here in what he's saying uh, that that I need to correct myself in. Well, I think that's exactly the approach you need to have, uh, and it's the only approach that a uh, a Christian should have. Uh, I, coming up one of these Sundays is the, um, the the tax collector and the publican, mm -hmm. the tax collector who tells God about everything that's right in his life and his opinion on everything. And then there's a publican who beats his breast and says, Lord, have mercy, I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. Well, we have to be in the position of the Christian who doesn't have all the answers, who isn't doing everything right, that the church doesn't necessarily need to hear our wisdom in order to get back on the right track. We need to be in the position of a Christian who listens to where the Holy Spirit is leading us and go in that direction. Now, environmentalism is a perfect example. I have never been anti-environmentalist. I wouldn't say that, but it's never been my issue. It's never been something I felt strongly about. It's never been something I encountered strongly in my life. Uh, so when the Holy Father started to talk a lot about care for our common home, as he puts it, I thought, okay, fine, but give me a break. Well, <laughs> 
The more I looked into it, okay, first of all, on the global warming thing, I've always been a skeptic of global warming. Mm -hmm. He clearly is not, but he does say in his document that this is not something that the church is defining or deciding on. You can hold whatever opinion right. you have about it. So uh, apart from the that particular issue, looking into what he's saying about caring for our common home has made me reevaluate a lot of things in my life, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've realized that I have been leaving behind piles of waste that uh, aren't that bothersome to me, but they're going to be bothersome to somebody eventually. Also, that our economy is set up such that in third world countries, there's lots of waste being uh, made, lots of poisoning of the environment uh, that then we are benefiting from. Mm-hmm. So I think he's actually pointing to a real um, a real problem, and he's clearly very convinced about it. So I've tried to convict myself more on that issue. But then I realized something else about what he's doing. After a decade of the world being convinced that Catholics have nothing in common with them, the people who are believing Catholics are irrelevant to them, they're not talking about issues that the world cares about, they're suddenly realizing, wait, these guys do appreciate some of the things that we appreciate. I wonder, and then hopefully they'll take the next step. I wonder what else they're saying. So by reaching out to people by saying, have care for the environment, oh, and by the way, have care for human embryos also, which Pope Francis does in that document. Right. Uh, he's helping expand the world's view rather than contract it. Well, not only that, you know, we we Catholics, uh, through Rerum Navarum, through uh, a couple of other documents, this whole principle of subsidiarity and solidarity that we uh, are, are ordering our lives by is one that is uh, predicated on sustainability. And so even if you don't buy into all the other things, there is something to living simply and to living a, a sustainable life uh, that has benefit not only for us, but for the whole community. Well, and it has spiritual benefit for us as well. If you look that in the book, I make this comparison. He's basically saying to live the Beatitudes in the way that you use mm-hmm. uh, products, which is exactly what I mean, it just leads you back to the gospel. So kind of my two shortcuts when I, Pope Francis is troubling me, well, there's several, but the the two main go-tos are, wait a second, doesn't the gospel say the same thing? <laughs> and then the other one is to look at the catechism like you do, and often you find that a troubling comment of Pope Francis is an, a, perhaps more emphatic than you'd expect, but it's, it's often a rewording of something that's directly in the catechism. Mm-hmm. We've been talking today with Tom Hoops. He's uh, the writer in residence uh, at and, and vice president of college relations at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas, and the author of the brand new book, What Pope Francis Really Said, Words of Comfort and Challenge. You can find that uh, by going to Franciscan Media, shopfranciscanmedia.org, and it's uh, right there in the shop from Servant Books, What Pope Francis Really Said. Tom, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. Now, we haven't done this in a while, but right after this break, we're going to give away a copy of this brand new book, What Pope Francis Really Said, Words of Comfort and Challenge, available now uh, on Servant Books. You can get to it over at shop.franciscanmedia.org or stick around. I'm going to give you all the information you need uh, to win this copy. It's going to be a social media uh, scramble. I'm going to give you the question. You're going to answer it over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Uh, and if you really want to do Instagram, Instagram is uh, Step Outside the Walls as well. And that would be an interesting answer. 
Uh, We'll be right back after this to give that away. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. Hey, thanks for sticking through the break. I think it's time to give something away. Uh, of course, I, I've got that giveaway. I'm waiting for the uh, two more friends of the show, and I'm going to give away a copy of I Burned for Your Peace by Peter Kreeft, Augustine's Confessions Unpacked. Great book. Uh, available on Ignatius Press. But I'm actually going to give something away today. Uh, going to give away the book that we talked about with Tom Hoops, brand new book, What Pope Francis Really Said, Words of Comfort and Challenge, available on Servant Books. Uh, and this is how we're going to do it. You're going to go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Instagram. It's also step outside the walls. And over on Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And this is what I want to know. Uh, I want to know what are the criteria for a statement of the Pope's to be infallible? What does it mean for the Pope to speak ex cathedra? What are the, the, the criteria that are required for a statement of the Pope's to be considered definitively infallible? And where do we get that criteria from? Uh, so tell me the answer to that. We're on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Uh, Instagram, the hand, handle is also step outside the walls. And on Twitter, it's at outside the walls. What are the criteria for something the Pope says to be infallible? And, uh, and where do we get those criteria from? So uh, that's uh, the, the game is afoot. Go over there. Tell me, what you th- tell me what you know, and I'll get this book right out to you. Now, here's, uh, I had a conversation uh, not too terribly long ago with the great Mark Shea, who is also here on Breadbox Media. You can hear him every weekday. Uh, and so had a conversation with him. We don't only listen to the Pope when the statements are infallible, because those infallible statements are very rare. Uh, just like we don't uh, ask our doctor or our mechanic, w- w- is, your, is your diagnosis infallible? Well, I don't have to do what you, what you have to say then. No, we, we still listen with docility. Uh, uh, the, uh, my favorite catechism paragraph, paragraph 87, says that the faithful receive with docility the things that their pastors tell them in various forms. Uh, because of the words of Scripture, he who hears you hears me. And so there's something very definitive about listening uh, to the Pope, listening to our bishops, listening to our pastors, uh, because they do speak for Christ, even when the things that they say are not definitively, doctrinally infallible. So uh, just because the Pope says something that is not infallible does not mean that it does not have something to teach us. But to give away the book, I want to know what are the criteria? for the Pope saying something, defining something infallible. And, uh, and what are, where do we get those criteria from? So you do that over on social media. I'll get that book right out to you. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our readings of the day. And this is one of those times where I'm just really, uh, sometimes really surprised by the readings of the day because I, I plan my show not too terribly far in advance. Sometimes we have just real last-minute uh, guests and I say, hey, can you come do an interview? And they say, hey, I'd love to. And we we do it on short notice. And the readings, they, they're in a three-year cycle. They are what they are. They are when they are. And uh, sometimes they just line up perfectly. 
and uh, today is one of those days. In the scriptures of today, that's Saturday, uh, the gospel, Jesus is talking to the, uh, to the disciples, and he says, uh, I give praise to the Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. And right there, we we often think of ourselves. Well, of course, I'm I'm the childlike, and and those other people who disagree with me, they're they're the learned and the wise, and they're just they're just foolish in God's eyes. You know what? Uh, we like to to think of ourselves that way, but sometimes we're the ones who are not listening to the things revealed to us by God. We're the ones who are so sure we've got it figured out in our simplicity uh, that we we fail to listen to the voices that God has given us. Uh, to pass on the truth to us, our, our bishops and our priests and our pope. Uh, and so I want to encourage you, uh, when you hear something that, that you're not quite sure about, we'll approach it with docility. Examine it a little bit more fully. Pray and say, God, am I missing something here? Because this, this I don't understand this at all. This does not match up with what I knew and what I've been taught. And, and in fact, uh, the reading that I actually want to get to today is the Responsorial Psalm, and this is a prayer. This little psalm is a prayer that will take us, when we get these uh, these things that we don't understand, um, when we get these statements that we're not quite sure about, we pray this psalm. It comes from Psalm 119, and I love this refrain. The, the response is, Lord, let your face shine on me. And we we don't get the picture of that too much, but when I look at my children— uh, when I look at them, just specifically my youngest right now, when he sees my eyes turn toward him, he smiles, right? My, his face shines on me as my face shines on him. And, and that's the picture that I have is that if God would turn his eyes to me and let his face shine on me, what joy would be in my heart? So that's the, the response. And, and here's that prayer that goes along with it. Teach me wisdom and knowledge, for in your commands I trust Lord, let your face shine on me. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Lord, let your face shine on me. I know, O Lord, that your ordinances are just, and in your faithfulness you have afflicted me. O Lord, let your face shine on me. According to your ordinances, they still stand firm. All things serve you. Lord, let your face shine on me. I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may know your decrees. Lord, let your face shine on me. The revelation of your words sheds light, giving understanding to the simple. Lord, let your face shine on me. Frankly, how often am I the simple, right? Uh, I need that revelation of his words. I need to hear my pastors and my bishop and my pope. I need these things because I don't have the understanding. We talked about that right in the first segment. God, you're really going to take me back through this again? I thought I passed this test. No, I guess I still have something to learn. Uh, Today's reading from church history comes from the breviary. That's where I generally pull my stuff from. It's also known as the divine office or the office of readings. Uh, And so, Today we're going to read something. I think it comes from this next Wednesday. I always pull it from the week. I look at the week and I say, what what really speaks to me? What speaks to what we were talking about? And here is this reading from a letter to the Tralians by St. Ignatius of Antioch. And I've heard the end part of this many, many times, and it just fits perfectly. So we're going to read this together. Uh, and we see this. Make yourselves gentle. 
and be born again in the faith, which is the body of the Lord, and in the love, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. No one must bear a grudge against his neighbor. Never give the pagans the slightest pretext, so that the great majority who serve God will not be mocked because of the folly of a few. The scripture says, Woe to him on account of whose folly my name is blasphemed. So turn turn a deaf ear to, to the talk of anyone whose language has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Descended from David, he was truly born of Mary. He really ate and drank. He was really persecuted under Pontius Pilate and truly died by crucifixion, while heavenly and earthly beings and those under the earth looked on. He truly rose from the dead, being raised by his Father, and those who believe in him will be raised like him by the Father. We shall rise again in Christ, without whom we do not have true life. Avoid then those poisonous growths that bear deadly fruit. The mere taste of them is sudden death. Such growths are not of the Father's planting. If they were, they would be recognized as the branches of the cross. Their fruit would be imperishable. The cross of Christ's passion is his invitation to you who are members of his body. The head cannot come to life without the members, since God, the very ground of unity, has foretold such a union. I send you greetings from Smyrna and from all of God's churches which are here with me. They have been a comfort to me in every way, both physically and spiritually. The chains which I bear for the sake of Jesus Christ, praying all the time that I may come to God, they are my plea. Come to live together in that harmony of yours and persevere in prayer together. It is fitting that everyone, and especially the presbyters, should comfort the bishop and thereby honor the Father and Jesus Christ and his apostles. I beg you, if you love me, Listen to me, so that this letter of mine may not witness against you, and pray for me too, lest I be found unfit. For in God's mercy I need your love to make me worthy of the destiny that is mine. The communities of Smyrna and Ephesus send greeting. In all your prayers, remember the church in Syria. I am unworthy to claim membership in it, being the least of them all. And now, farewell in Jesus Christ. Be submissive to your bishop, as you would to God's command, and also to the clergy. As individuals, love one another with undivided affection. My life is being sacrificed for you, not only at this moment, but also when I shall come before God. Though I am still in danger, God the Father, through Jesus Christ, is my pledge that my prayer and yours will be heard. My desire is that through him you may be found without fault. Oh, And what a prayer that is, that through Christ, you and I may be found without fault. But that takes us being humble. It takes us being teachable. It takes us listening to the words of Christ that are given to us through our pastors, through our bishops, and yes, through the Pope. And realizing that I don't know everything. Uh, If I just immediately assume all that the media, all the blogs, all the, uh, the television studios, if I assume that what they say about the Pope is true, then, uh, the, and, and I don't have to listen to him, therefore, then I'm in trouble. I need to be submissive uh, to the one who God has placed in authority. Still, of course, using my own reason, my own wisdom, but being docile and thereby, hopefully, through Christ, being found without fault. That's all the time we have for this week. 
Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on live streaming, terrestrial radio, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.